Judges chapter 13 is the scripture reading for this evening. We read the whole chapter of Judges chapter 13. The text is verses 12 through 14. We're in the book of the Judges, and chapter 13 introduces us to Judge Samson. This is the last judge that is introduced to us in the book of Judges. The other judges at this time period are Judge Eli and Judge Samuel. Judges 13, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines. Forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman, and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive, and bear a son." Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death." Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, The man hath appeared unto me, that came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose, and went after his wife, and came to the man, and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee, until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread. And if thou wilt offer in burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, 
that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret, or literally, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously, and Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would, as at this time, have told us such things as these. And the woman bare a son... And called his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshdael. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. The text is verses 12 through 14. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, We've probably all experienced it before. Those moments in life where you are suddenly struck with a deep sense of responsibility, uh, an overwhelming sense of the high calling that the Lord is giving you. For many of us, perhaps it was the day when we had to decide what we were going to do after high school. There's so many opportunities for us, and yet there's only one path you can take. And so the prayer keeps rising in the heart of that young person. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, show me thy ways and teach me thy paths and guide me. I feel this weight of responsibility. Help me in my decision making. For some of us, perhaps it was the day we got married. And I think especially for a man to think of the high calling that God is giving him or has just given him in marriage to take care of one of God's precious daughters and to reflect the love of Jesus Christ, to be that picture of Jesus Christ to his wife in marriage. That's a moment when a wave of responsibility floods the soul and that young man cries out, Lord, how shall I do it? Lord, help me. For some of us, perhaps, it was the day when the Lord gave us our first child and it finally dawns on us I have been entrusted with the spiritual and physical care of another living soul. And you are impressed with this overwhelming sense of responsibility that God has given you. I can imagine that that has been the experience of Noah and Jenny over these past few weeks as they've become parents for the first time. 
And all of that excitement of being first-time parents is suddenly becoming intertwined with this overwhelming sense of responsibility and calling. And then all sorts of questions start flooding the soul. Lord, help us. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What is this child supposed to be, Lord? And, and how do I raise this child to attain that purpose that thou dost have for the child? You say, Lord, how am I supposed to do this? Help me, Lord. Well, the reason we're looking at Judges chapter 13 tonight is because that is exactly the experience of Manoah and his wife in this chapter. They too were going to be parents for the first time. And overwhelmed with the sense of this high calling, this godly couple asked the question, Lord, what shall be the manner in which we raise this child? How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? That's the question that every believing parent should be asking concerning the child or the children whom the Lord has given to him or her. This is no doubt the question that weighs on the hearts of Noah and Jenny as first-time parents with little Brody. And this, of course, is the question that we as a congregation are concerned about too. How shall we, as a covenant community, as a church, how shall we raise the children of the Lord? Well, that's what we look at briefly this evening. We take as our theme that question that Manoah asks, how shall we order the child? And we look at that theme under three points. First, we look at the question, and we appreciate the question itself. Second, we look at the answer that the angel of the Lord gives. And then third, we look at the hope, the the hope we have as we have this responsibility. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? That's the question. Now, in order to appreciate that question, we should first see the context in which that question is raised. Here in Judges 13, we are in the time of the judges. And the time of the judges, you may know, was a time of lawlessness, generally speaking. Again and again, you read in the book of Judges, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That was the problem. There was no king. And so everyone was doing that which was right in his own eyes. And as you may know, as the children may know, the time period of the judges is characterized by a repeating cycle. So that over and over again, you have the same thing happening. Four steps in the cycle. Maybe you know it. First, the people of God fall into sin. They fall into all kinds of sins. Maybe, usually, it was that they worshipped the idols of the Canaanites. That was the first step in this repeating cycle. Then, secondly, the Lord chastens them by giving them over into the hands of their enemies. He raises an enemy nation to oppress them and to teach them to turn from their sin. And then, third, the third step is that God's people learn to repent and they cry out to the Lord for help. And then, fourth, the Lord in graciously responding to his people, raises up a deliverer, a judge to save his people. Well, here in Judges 13, not only are we in the time period of the judges where you have that cycle, but we are in what is perhaps the worst time of the judges. Here in Judges 13, we are near the very end of the judges. It may seem like Samson is should be right in the middle of the judges because it it feels like we're right in the middle of the book. 
of Judges, but Samson actually lived right at the end of the time period of the Judges. Samson was born during the lifetime of Eli, Judge Eli, and Samson was a contemporary of Samuel. They lived at the same time. So it's right at the end of the Judges. And the situation during the time of the Judges was this. Not only did you have this repeating cycle... But as you continue repeating the cycle, it gets worse. It's a downward cycle. So that Israel doesn't just repeat the same sins, but they grow deeper in their sins. And, and it takes longer for them to repent. And it, it's a downward cycle. And that comes, that comes out even in the chapter we read. Verse 1 of Judges 13 Israel falls into sin, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. That's the first step in the cycle. And then we read of the second step. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. But very strikingly, nowhere in this chapter do we read of Israel repenting of their sins and crying out to the Lord for help. That part of the cycle is falling apart. It's breaking down. Israel is no longer repenting of her sins. In fact, in verse 1, we read that God delivered Israel into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. That's the longest time period of oppression that Israel experiences in the time of the judges. And yet, even after 40 years of oppression, nowhere do we read of Israel learning to repent. In fact, what we do read two chapters later, in Judges 15, is that the people of Israel don't even want a judge. They don't want Samson as their judge. Remember, he's, he's bringing about unrest with the Philistines. He's burning their crops, and, and they say, Samson, we don't want you. Get away. We don't want a judge. We don't want a Savior. And if you remember that the judges are really a picture of Jesus Christ, what the people were saying is, we don't want Jesus. We don't want the salvation that he brings. That's how bad things were getting during the time period of the judges. So we may presume that when the angel of the Lord appears unto Manoah and his wife, the spiritual condition in Israel was at its worst in 400 years. Manoah and his wife were a godly couple. That comes out clearly in the passage. They were a godly couple. But they were living during very dark, dark days. As God's word puts it in 1 Samuel 3 verse 1, which is during the same time period. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There were not frequent visions given to God's people in these days. So that's one part of the context that we need to bear in mind to understand Manoah's question. These were very, very dark days of apostasy. We need to remember that. Second, a second part of the context that we need to bear in mind as we look at the question is this. Manoah's wife had been barren. It wasn't as if Manoah and his wife had the attitude, let's not have children. It wasn't as if Manoah and his wife said, well, in these dark days of apostasy and sin, who would want to raise up children anyway? No, we may presume that Manoah and his wife wanted children. They were a godly couple, but they were barren. And part of what that meant was that Manoah and his wife appreciated very keenly the fact that children were a gift of the Lord. To be barren is often a very hard thing. Even the word itself has a kind of hardness to it. Even after I finished the congregational prayer, I, I thought I forgot to pray for those. Because even baptism can be 
hard for those who are barren. To be barren is often a very hard thing. And in their barrenness, Manoah and his wife understood just how precious it is to have a child. They appreciated the longing and they appreciated the privilege of raising a child in the fear of the Lord. They were very much sensitive to these kinds of things. Now as a tangent, God was going to use that barrenness to teach His people an important point. God would use that barrenness to emphasize to His people that salvation only comes by the power of the Lord. And without the Lord's mercy, there is no Savior. You see that throughout the Bible. How many times doesn't God do that? Abraham and Sarah were barren. Isaac and Rebekah are barren. Elkanah and Hannah. Zechariah and Elizabeth with John the Baptist. And then, of course, with the Virgin Mary. God does an even more spectacular miracle. He presses this truth home in a very wonderful way that salvation comes from God alone by bringing forth a child from a virgin. Emphasizing God does it. God does what is humanly impossible. Our salvation depends on the Lord and the Lord alone. And that's what God is going to teach His people here too in the life of Samson. But now to stick to the point, the point that I was making is this. Manoah and his wife knew how precious it was to have a child from the Lord. So you have these two things. These are dark days of apostasy. And Manoah and his wife know how precious it is to have a child from the Lord. And now knowing those two details helps us to appreciate the question that Manoah asks in the text. So the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah's wife. He tells her that she's going to have a baby. Manoah's wife believes the angel right away. She goes and tells Manoah. Manoah asks for a second visit visit from the angel. The angel of the Lord graciously comes again. And now Manoah asks the question in the text. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? And perhaps just in the way that it's recorded in Scripture, you can sense the urgency and the sincerity and the deep concern in Manoah's question. Here is this couple who has been barren for years, and now they suddenly hear that they're going to be given a son. They're going to be first-time parents. And not only that, but as we read in verse 5, the angel told Manoah's wife that this child shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. This child is going to be of monumental, national, spiritual significance. This child is going to be a hero of faith and a picture of the coming Savior and Redeemer. And so you can understand the urgency and the sincerity and the real spiritual concern that characterizes Manoah's question. We're going to be parents. We've never been parents before. We need help. Not only that, but we live in the midst of dark days of apostasy and wickedness. We need help. And this child is going to serve a special role in the history of the church. We don't know what we're doing. We need help. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? And what Manoah is asking is this. It's really two questions. In what manner shall we raise this child? And then, how are we supposed to do it? Those are two questions. To put it slightly different, what is my child supposed to be? What is is God's purpose with my child? What kind of life is he supposed to be trained for? And then second, what is the way in which we are to go about raising this child to attain that purpose so that he fulfills that calling of God? That's the question, the twofold question. 
Now, congregation, I hope with all of this information, you can appreciate what Manoah is asking. We can bring this passage to bear upon the events before us tonight. And the question we can ask is, is this the kind of question that we are asking too? This is the question that's on Noah and Jenny's heart. This is a covenant child. This is a child of the Lord. We need help. We live in days of great apostasy and great wickedness, just like in the days of Samson, where it seems like there's even a willingness on the part of the church to be under the rule of the Philistines, to follow the lifestyle of the wicked around us. We need help. Maybe there are parents here this evening who are asking this question because they feel very keenly their need for God's help. These children, this child is difficult to raise. And I feel so often like a failure. I feel so often at my wit's end. I don't feel sufficient to the task. I need help. And so you ask the Lord in prayer, Lord, how shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? Lord, help us. Parents, I hope you see and gain some comfort from the fact that there's nothing new under the sun, is there? The same feelings of inadequacy that we might have today are the same feelings of inadequacy that God's devout people have experienced throughout the ages, way back in the time period of the judges. In every age, God's people have needed help in raising their children. In every age, God's people have had to ask the Lord for guidance and instruction. And in every age, God has shown himself faithful to his people. He answers their prayers. That's what he did here too. Manoah and his wife are a godly couple. Manoah and his wife have servants' hearts. They want to raise this child in the fear of the Lord. They need help. And notice, when they ask the Lord for help, or when they ask the angel of the Lord for help, the angel of the Lord does not ridicule them, but he answers them in patience. He answers them in love. This is a question that is well-pleasing to the Lord. And so I want to ask the question again. Is that the kind of question that we are asking? In the privacy of our own homes, what is my child supposed to be, Lord? And what is the way in which I am to raise him so that he is prepared for that life? We should be asking that as a congregation too. It needs to be the question we are asking. This child is not my own. He, she is the Lord's. That's emphasized to us through baptism. We are not our own. We've been purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's true for our children as well. And so we do with them what the Lord wills. We, we bring them up for baptism so that they receive the sign. And then we go forward raising them as the Lord's children. So that's the question. That's the question of Manoah. Well, the answer, as we move on, the answer to Manoah's question is given in verses 13 and 14. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of anything that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And with that answer, the angel is answering both of Manoah's questions. Remember, there were two questions and the angel now answers both of those questions. First of all, the angel answers the question, how shall we order the child? Or, what is my child to be? What is the manner in which we are to raise this child? And the answer of the angel is, as a Nazarite. You must raise him as a Nazarite. That's what the angel is saying. 
Now, maybe you children don't know what a Nazarite is. In Numbers chapter 6, you can read the description of what a Nazarite is and what a Nazarite must be. But a Nazarite was an Israelite who took a vow of holiness unto the Lord. A vow of holiness that he separated himself, in a sense, from what was common, and he became separate unto the Lord. That's, in fact, what the word Nazarite means. It means to be separate, to be consecrated. By his or her life, the Nazarite would then become a very powerful picture of one who is separated from sin and one who is entirely devoted to the Lord. And that holiness of the Nazarite was pictured, it was shown in three special ways. First, the Nazarite might not eat of anything that grows on the vine or drink wine or strong drink. Second, the Nazarite may not cut his or her hair. He had to let it grow long. Long hair was a picture of strength. And then third, the Nazarite was not allowed to touch any dead body or any unclean thing. This little baby, Samson, needs to be raised as a Nazarite. And what is interesting about Samson is that Samson was not a Nazarite by a vow that he made himself. That's usually how someone was a Nazarite or became a Nazarite. As an adult, a person would take a vow to be a Nazarite for a shorter or a longer period of time, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. But in Samson's case, it was different. God set Samson apart as a Nazarite even before he was conceived. And then Samson is not just going to be a Nazarite from the womb, but he's going to be a Nazarite not just for a few weeks or a few months, but the rest of his life, his whole life until the day He dies. Now, what we should know about a Nazarite is that a Nazarite was a reminder to all the people of Israel of who they were in Jesus Christ. They were separate and who they were called to be in Christ, how they were supposed to live. It wasn't that all the people were supposed to live as a Nazarite in the technical sense, but all the people were supposed to be wholly devoted to the Lord, separated from sin. By not drinking wine, by not having his hair cut, and by not touching any unclean, any unclean thing, the Nazarite would be a visible reminder to all God's people that they too had been separated from sin and consecrated as a holy people to the Lord. God had delivered them out of a fallen world. He delivered them from Egypt, and he had made them a peculiar people for himself. Now in Samson's day, you can imagine there probably weren't very many people making the Nazarite vow because the people, by and large, were a a wicked people. They were not devoting themselves to the Lord. And so now the Lord's going to raise up Samson as a Nazarite to remind the people of what they were called to be. This is how Manoah and his wife need to raise this child, this covenant child, raise him as a Nazarite. Now, congregation, we can apply that to today as well. This is exactly the same answer God gives to us today. What is my child supposed to be? What is the manner in which we are to raise our children? Answer, raise him, raise her, raise little Brody as a Nazarite. Now, not as a Nazarite as it took its Old Testament form, but as a true Nazarite, spiritually speaking. Raise your children to be holy. Raise your children so that they are set apart from sin unto the Lord. And do that from the womb. From the womb already, train your child to be for a godly life. 
Train your child for a life which sets him or her apart from the world, unashamedly devoted to the Lord. That's really what we emphasize every time we emphasize that our children are covenant children, right? Our children are covenant children. And we're emphasizing there, our children aren't volunteering to be covenant children. Our children don't grow up and first make a vow to be covenant children, but God says to covenant parents today, just like he said to Manoah and his wife, he says, these children are my children, and I give them to you, and these are my instructions for raising these children. Raise them as covenant children, spiritual Nazarites, wholly devoted to the Lord, so that you baptize them, and then you raise them accordingly. And I can imagine that when a young couple finds out that they are pregnant, that this suddenly becomes a prayer that they make. Lord, already now, while this baby is in the womb, shape and mold this child to be a child after thine own heart. It begins in the womb. It certainly does. It begins even before the child is in the womb. This is our prayer. This is what we desire. Now, in Samson's day, you can imagine... How odd it must have been for Samson to grow up the way that he did. After all, Samson was a a boy who had long hair. I wonder what all of Samson's classmates at school would have said about Samson's long hair. Maybe the children would have mocked him and made fun of him. Already as a boy, Samson was standing out from the crowd, right? But, But that was exactly the point. The point was, are the people getting the message? Did the people actually appreciate when the parents picked up their children from school and they saw little boy Samson with long hair, did they actually appreciate how that little boy is a constant reminder of their own calling to be holy unto the Lord? The point I want to make is this. That's how it should also be for us today and for our children. Not that our boys have long hair, but that spiritually our children stand out as different from the children of unbelievers. They are children. They are different. They're covenant children. And that difference needs to be seen in their lives, even as a witness to us. Isn't that how it is so often with parents? Our children are a reminder to us, yes, I too need to be devoted to the Lord. And I see that in my child. And even if our children get mocked for being godly children, even if our children feel themselves to be different than the children of the world. I was thinking about that this past weekend. We went to Grand Haven for a walk as a family. And I think we saw some people from Covenant there. And I can imagine as a young Christian at the beach, you're going to stand out as different from the children of unbelievers. As young people and young adults, you, you dress more modestly. You, you, you behave different. You're different. You even had that at convention. And then we think, this is how we should raise our children, so that you can even see it. They're different than the children of the world. So the question comes, are you raising your children to be different from the children of the world around you? The children of this world, they're devoted to sports. The children of this world, they're devoted to money. The children of this world, they're devoted to themselves. That's how the children in our society are being raised today. Be devoted to yourself. The children of the world don't honor father and mother. The children of this world are given entirely over to materialism, to entertainment, to recreation. Parents encourage their children to seek an earthly kingdom. That's all they got. And parents teach their children that lusting is okay. They make all kinds of accommodations for their children, for dances, for parties. 
for, for sins, unholy friendships, indulging in their lusts? And the question is, are we raising our children to be spiritual Nazarites that are holy unto the Lord? Well, we might say in response, well, Samson was a Nazarite because he was going to be a, a, a picture of Jesus Christ in a special way. Because as judge, he was going to point the people to Jesus. So, so maybe it's not so proper, Pastor, to apply this to our children in the same way because Samson is a, a unique character. Maybe this is an unfair comparison. But then we remember the fact is our children, as covenant children, bear the image of Jesus Christ. They bear the image of Jesus Christ, and they're called to bear the image of Christ, and that should be how we raise them, so that more and more they are reflecting the image of Christ. How shall we raise our children? How shall we order the child? Raise the child to be holy. That's the answer to the first question. Then the second question Manoah asks is this, how shall we do unto him? And, and remember what that means. That means, how shall we do this? We know that he's to be raised as a Nazarite, but how do we do that? We know that our children are to be devoted to the Lord, but how do we do that? And the answer that the angel gives in both verse 13 and verse 14 is this, all that I commanded her, let her observe. There's a few things to point out about that answer. First of all, what the angel of the Lord is saying is this, obey my word. That's how you raise your child to be holy. Obey my word. Obey my commandments. Don't raise your children according to your preferences. Don't raise your children according to your purposes and your own understanding and your own aims and goals. Raise your children according to my commandments. Trust the instruction that I have given in my word. Don't pick and, and then also notice what the angel says. At the end of verse 13, of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. Not pick and choose what you want to do, all of it. Obey God's commandments, all of it. And how do we raise our children today as covenant children? Same thing, we obey God's word. And that means that we must know God's word. And we inquire after God's word with the kind of zeal and need that Manoah pursued after God's word when he asked and he besought the angel of the Lord. We pray, Lord, reveal thy will to us. Open thy word to us and cause us to know thy will. That, first of all, obey God's commandments and, and that means be in God's word. And you know what's so powerful, beloved, when you take that kind of approach? What is so powerful is this. You yourself become a living example for your children. And you're teaching them not just by your instruction and by what you command them to do, but you teach them now by your own example. You teach them by your own pursuit of God's commandments. Your holy life as a Nazarite, in which you are separated from sin, in which you are wholly sold over to the will of the Lord, your holy life, God will use that to teach the children that come after you. And they will see for themselves, this is real. This is meaningful. This is not just children's stuff. No, because I see my parents themselves are wholly devoted to the Lord. It's good for me as a child to be devoted to the Lord because this is even how my parents themselves live. 
when Manoah asks the angel of the Lord how he is to raise up this little boy, the angel of the Lord says, obey my word. That's fundamental. There's no magic formula here. There's no secret tricks of the trade. All that I have commanded, observe. And then second of all, what the angel is telling Manoah is this. He's not just saying, obey my word, but he's also saying this. Live a life of self-denial. That's how you raise your child to be holy. Live a life of self-denial. And I bring that up because in the case of Manoah's wife especially, that's the case. That's her reality. Right now, while this baby is still in your room, you yourself have to observe the law of the Nazarite. You yourself have to put away that glass of wine and exercise self-denial. And this really emphasizes what's already been said. If the child is going to be a Nazarite, it starts with the parent. And in this case, in a peculiar way, it starts with Manoah's own wife living as a Nazarite. Now, isn't that the case also today? How do we raise our children to be holy? By living holy, self-denying lives ourselves. That's the fundamental rule of Christian parenting. That's really the fundamental rule of the Christian life. That's the fundamental law of growth in holiness and growth in in, in godliness. Self-denial. Denying self. Mortifying the old man. And living unto Christ. The quickening of the new. And that's, case, that's the case for parents in a special way. God has given you His children to raise. And now as a parent, maybe in your young 20s, maybe in your late 20s, maybe in your 30s, 40s, now is the time not for laziness. Now is the time not for you to live your life, but now is the time for girding up your robe, girding up the loins of your robe and walking the spiritual pilgrimage of self-denial. As a parent... That's the calling. And in many ways, that's also how God blesses parents through their children. Parents grow in holiness as they experience what it means to lay down their life for the lambs whom God has entrusted to their care. And then they also begin to understand more deeply, more profoundly, the love of God and the love of Jesus, who lived a whole life of self-denial to take care of the lambs that were entrusted into His care, you and me. And then we live this life as a parent, a covenant parent, and we understand more deeply God's perfect love for us and His care for us as His child. Now maybe that's a word of encouragement here for parents, and and I can imagine especially for mothers. Mothers, in their own unique way, experience, fathers too, to be sure, working for your family, supplying, providing for the needs of the family, and and much more besides. But I want to touch on mothers too because of Manoah's wife here. Mothers, in their own unique way, experience what it is to be a Nazarite in order to carry out their calling before the Lord. Be encouraged, mothers, that this is very pleasing to the Lord. The Lord knows the calling that He gives you, and He knows it's a difficult calling. He knows it's a calling that involves self-denial, and He is pleased with the self-denial you exercise and the faithful rearing of your children as you live in thankfulness for the salvation God has given you. He is well pleased with it and he most certainly hears your prayers for help. And for all of us, 
we should all remember how Jesus was the Nazarite for us. He was the Nazarite in the deepest, perfect sense of the word. He was the one who was perfectly devoted to the Lord, separate from sin. He was the one who, though he was rich, yet he became poor. And he lived that life of self-denial that he didn't have to live. He lived that life in the form of a servant. And for what purpose? Exactly so that we as God's children might know the love of our Father. And we might, we might enjoy what it is to be Nazarites ourselves, devoted to the Lord. And it is only in Him and by His Spirit that we can live and, and do live lives consecrated to the Lord. And that's where maybe this becomes an applicatory sermon. This is especially a baptism sermon, but it's an applicatory sermon too. I can say this, after, this evening, this is also what God calls us to do. We've come from the Lord's Supper this morning. We've seen Christ and Him giving Himself for us. And now how do we respond to that? How do we go forth applying these truths to our lives? Well, the application is this. Live as a Nazarite. Live as one wholly sold over to the will of the Lord. Serving the Lord in love. That's the answer that the angel gives. So with that short answer, the, the angel fully answers Manoah's question. So we've looked at the question that Manoah asks, and, and we've looked at the answer. And now third, we need to ask the question, what is the hope? That's where we want to end this evening. For Manoah and his wife, raising this child was going to be a monumental task. Imagine how intimidating it would be. You know this child in advance is going to be used in a mighty way by the Lord. This is a, an intimidating calling. Upon what would they rest their hope as they're given this calling to raise this child? Well, certainly their hope wasn't going to be in themselves, was it? As godly parents, they understand how insufficient they are for the task. Neither was their hope going to be in the little boy that was born to them. The baby himself was going to grow up with a sinful nature... And that, this little boy was going to cause his parents some grief along the way, wasn't he? You know the history of Samson and the grief he caused his parents. Yes, this child was a covenant child. Samson was a hero of faith. And if you would study this history in, in a little bit more detail, you would see, you would see that Samson was jealous of who he was as a Nazarite. He, he didn't rebel against being a Nazarite, but... He valued it. From his childhood onward, Samson guards his hair. Even with that whole episode with Delilah, Samson knew he had to guard his hair. He knew that this calling to be a Nazarite was special. And, and he protected it until he, he toyed with sin, right? And he fell into sin. But he knows that he has a privileged calling as a covenant child. He knows what a blessing it is to be devoted to the Lord. And our covenant children should have that same attitude. But our hope isn't in our children. That's the point. Our hope isn't in ourselves. It's not in our children. Our hope is in the Lord. Jehovah, right? Lord in capital letters. The angel of the Lord. Jehovah, the eternally unchanging God of his covenant. Manoah and his wife lived by faith in the words of the angel. And they knew who the angel was. The angel showed them who he was after all this instruction. He went up in that flame into heaven. And, and then Manoah says, the Lord is going to kill us 
because we've seen God. They knew who that angel was. Not just any ordinary angel, but the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. The Christ of God's covenant. And they trusted in His word. And they trusted in their covenant God. And they proceeded with their new calling as parents, trusting God's covenant faithfulness. Ultimately, their hope wasn't in their son, but their hope was in the son whom their son would be a picture of. Their hope was in Jesus Christ. He would be the savior. He would be the judge that his people needed. He would be the king that his people sorely needed. He would be the one to deliver them from their enemies. He would not just begin to deliver his people from their sins, but he would show himself to be a complete savior. That's where their hope was. And that's where our hope is too. We have responsibilities in life, high callings that maybe we shudder at the weight of the responsibility. Our God has given us Jesus Christ. And by the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ, we know our sins are washed away. We know we are the children and heirs of God. We are God's covenant children. He has declared that His promise is to us and to our children. And He has also promised that He will supply all our need according to His riches and glory, according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And He has promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter how dark the day of apostasy is, He gives us the calling and then He gives us the grace to carry out that calling. Whom He calls, He equips and qualifies. Noah and Jenny, let Jehovah God be your hope too. As you now take up this new calling to raise up this little boy in the fear of the Lord, raising him to be a Nazarite indeed, a spiritual Nazarite. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for the history recorded in Thy Word that is so relatable so good for us to study. And we thank Thee, Lord, that in all these things, the angel of the Lord is with us in all these responsibilities and callings. He gives us the instruction by His Spirit, and He strengthens us for the work. Lord, we pray, strengthen us indeed, and use even this preaching as a means of grace for us, each one in our calling as a Nazarite, to live our lives to Thy name's glory and honor. And strengthen us, Lord, where the work is intimidating, where the calling is, is a great responsibility. Encourage us by giving us to see Jesus Christ and who he is as ours. In his name we pray, amen.